This is Joe Public, and it's time for another episode of The Public Record. We're going to be here for another couple of hours. Are you scared? If you're not, you should be.
Are you afraid yet? You ought to be. <laughs> this is Joe Public. You're on the public record, and yeah, you know, it's almost as if uh, you know, here on Radio Nope, it, uh, when I first started to get involved with this stuff, and uh, our our uh, our fearless leader Conan Neutron announced me to the rest of the on-air. Is that a thing anymore? Anyway, on-air personalities. Uh, he called me a punk rock legend, so I, it was inevitable that I was going to do a prog rock show. <laughs> I don't oh know. I unabashedly love this stuff. Um, you know, it was really satisfying. I was just just finished uh, just finished yesterday reading "Anger Is an Energy," uh, John Lydon, otherwise known as Johnny Rotten's second autobiography um and i'm a huge fan of johnny rotten and john lydon i love that guy i love that guy and one of the things i love most about that guy is as he gets older he gets more honest i mean you would think that a guy whose whole shtick was about being so honest that hurt couldn't get any more honest but he's gotten way more honest as, as uh he's climbed into his uh his the 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 twilight years of his life <laughs> that sounds horrible did i really just say that um no i mean the the dude just you know I, he if you were a big fan of public image limited you knew this guy who just listened to a ton of progressive rock and uh you know i knew that very early on and i remember him uh name dropping um the great german prog rock band can um over and over and over again when i was a kid and i and, and it really stuck with me and then to, to hear him basically in the text of anger is an energy just own the fact that he loved pink floyd um was great because this is a guy who basically got the gig as singer of the sex pistols because he got noticed for wearing a t-shirt with pink floyd t-shirt with the word kill uh added over the name of the band so you know, there you go. But no, I, I mean, okay, maybe I'm not a, a punk rock legend at all. Or if I am, I'm not on the level of, of Johnny Rotten. But uh, I feel I'm in good company owning my love of all things prog. Now, now, and I'll qualify that. I don't love all things prog. There's certain uh, noodly things that I cannot abide at all. Um but even those have their place. Uh, so what did we hear? What did we hear? Joe, what are you doing to me? Um, right before I started talking, that was Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. You know, the biggest selling prog rock act ever. I mean, part of what the whole punk rock thing was a reaction to was the fact that the the, the biggest concert ticket, the, the biggest record sales, the most attention went to... Keith Emerson, Greg Lake, and Carl Palmer, um, who, you know, every excess, everything got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger as they went on to the point where it just collapsed under its own weight. But uh, they were, they, they did some amazing stuff, and uh, you gotta own that if you like it. Before that, yes, uh, with another, with, a, a record that doesn't get a lot of love among Yes fans, but it's my favorite. Um, that was a song, Run Through the Light, off the drama record. Um, 
John Anderson, Rick Wakeman bailed on Yes in 1979, and uh, Chris Squire, Steve Howe, and Alan White's answer to that was to go and grab Jeff Downs and uh, Trevor Horn from the Buggles and create 80s Yes. And uh, one of the first like, truly mind-altering, and not in a chemical way, live concerts I ever saw was Yes performing that version of Yes performing in the round at the Cow Palace in San Francisco. Um, that was loud, man. It was one of the loudest things I've, I've ever heard. Before that, speaking of loud, uh, John Paul Jones, um, famously of Led Zeppelin, but also just uh, you know, like one of the top musicians on the planet with um, the title track from his solo album, Zuma. Um, and I started, started off with Adrian Ballou, who's a guy who is such a shapeshifter and has done so much and so many different kinds of music. I mean, playing with everybody from Frank Zappa, David Bowie, Talking Heads, um, and King Crimson. Guy is just phenomenal, and that's from a solo record of his, and the song was called Big Electric Cat. I used to play that when I had my college radio show back in uh, the late Pleistocene era. Um, I used to play that song because it drove everybody nuts nobody wanted me to play that except the music director at the station who was a huge adrian Ballou fan so there you go anyway you know so like one of the things about prog rock i think that one of the reasons i got into progressive rock that's my fantasy baseball notification noise um one of the things that got me into progressive rock in the first place i think was the fact that um, the drama, not just the, the, the dynamics and the dramatic point of the music, but the, but the ridiculous soap opera-like drama in the bands was just hilarious and compelling to me. Um, yes, famously have had more members than, I don't know, most orchestras, and the backbiting and infighting and the ridiculousness continues with yes to this day um it you know they they just got inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame i won't edit, editorialize on my feelings about that that institu- fine institution but i will say it was hilarious the the induction ceremony was really funny because the whole thing got hijacked by the guys who aren't in yes anymore uh rick wakeman trevor rabin and and john anderson basically hijacked the induction ceremony um mostly rick wakeman talking about his prostate gland um so it it, and the drama continues you know like a day after that all of a sudden they're not calling themselves uh anderson rabin wakeman anymore they're now Yes, featuring John Anderson, Rick Wakeman, and Trevor Rabin. And, and so the battle continues. Um, but the template, I think, I think the template was set really early on with a lot of bands like King Crimson and, and another band that just went berserk on the lineup changes in the reverse order where it was, it was like they, they were just carving pieces off of the of the creature as time went on is a band that a lot of people don't give any credit to because of the, they, they degenerated into this kind of um, pop thing in the late eighties. And that's Genesis. 
But this band was badass, and here's some proof. You're on the public record. I got sunshine in my stomach Like I just rocked my baby to sleep I got sunshine in my stomach But I can't keep me from creeping sleep Sleep deep in the
people, what have you done? Locked him in his golden cage. Golden cage. Made him bend to your religion. Him resurrected from the grave. From the grave Is the God of nothing If that's all that you can see You are the God of everything He's inside you and me upon him gently and don't call on him to save <laughs> Requests your earthly 
And the graven image you know who With his plastic crucifix He's got him fixed Confuses me as to who and where and why As to how he gets his kicks He gets his kicks Confessing to the endless sin The endless whining sounds <laughs> I'll be praying till next Thursday To all the gods that you can count That is one badass flute solo. <laughs> okay, who wants to come collect my punk rock card? Come on. It's up for grabs. That's Jethro Tull with My God! The immortal Ian Anderson. Uh, literally the weirdest stage performer I've ever seen. I, I, I saw Jethro Tull in concert twice both times i just walked out going wow that was a great show but that guy's weird um that's part of the appeal i mean come on he's a front man in a band that tony iomi from black sabbath played in for a while and he swings a flute around and he dresses like a, a, a renaissance minstrel at the fair yeah uh, did two Genesis songs before that, uh, Squonk, and then before that, The Cage. And why did I do that? Well, because I just I love both those songs. The Cage is uh, from Peter Gabriel's final album with Genesis, The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway, and it's my favorite tune on that record. Uh, as it's like been one of my favorite songs, all-time favorite songs, probably since I was like. I don't know, 12 years old. And then, so Peter Gabriel, at some point, he decided that the he he could do better on his own. And a lot of people thought, oh, that's, that's a terrible idea. You should not leave a successful band. Um, he did do pretty dang well for himself. Um, and, and I think mostly kept his soul intact in the process. So that's that's... A real remarkable thing. So Peter Peter Gabriel quits, and Genesis ran an ad looking for a new singer and auditioned. The story goes they auditioned something like three hundred people. Um, now I've been playing in bands since I was like fourteen years old, and the thought of auditioning three people makes me want to punch myself in the nuts. Um, so 
you got to be a special kind of just not interested in your own happiness if you audition 300 singers. I don't know if that's a that's a true story, but I mean that's I I've read that in a couple of different places, but the the key thing was um out of all the members of Genesis at the time, the only one who could sing was Phil Collins, who had done, he was the drummer and he had handled the backing vocals and had taken lead on a few songs um, while Peter Gabriel was in the band. So uh, Mike Rutherford, Tony Banks, and Steve Hackett said, Well, Phil, you know, you get these guys ready for their auditions. So Phil Collins taught everybody, all the vocalists who were auditioning, taught them their parts. And they were in the midst of recording the album that song Squonk is on, A Trick of the Tale. Their idea was they'll finish the, the, the backing tracks and then just bring a singer in to sing on it and release it and go out on tour. Uh, but they needed guide vocals, and so Phil sang all the guide vocals on it. And, and after they'd done all these auditions, they came to the conclusion that he was the best singer they'd heard, and they asked him to front the band. Um, and and you you know now you look anybody knows Phil Collins now. I mean he's kind of an insufferable chode. Um, he's a tax exile who tax exile who lives in Switzerland. Um, he's famous for divorcing his wives as soon as they start to show signs of age, and and he's just kind of a dick. Uh, but he, he at one time was kind of renowned as being one of the nicest guys in the music business and really easy to work with. And one of the things he brought to Genesis, uh, was a kind of friendliness that had always been lacking. I mean, Peter Gabriel certainly does not lack in theatricality or presentation. If you've ever seen him perform, I mean, it can be spellbinding, but what Phil did was disarm the audience and turn them into friends. And arguably, Genesis was, had more passionate fans after Peter Gabriel left. Uh, I mean, they certainly sold more records. I mean, that's not a measure of success. But um, if you find a real Genesis fan, uh, it's pretty hard to get them to say anything bad about Phil Collins. Um, anyway... So there you go. I mean, the, the drama, the melodrama that goes with progressive rock. That's, that's the thing I love. And who am I? I'm Joe Public. You are listening to The Public Record. Um, sp speaking of drama, I wanted to get into a little bit of this with uh, a certain famous guitar player.
Oh, that's just gotta be one of my... I don't know, that might be my favorite song from the 1970s that isn't a Sex Pistols or a Ramones song, honestly. It's just, uh Epic. I mean, it's the definition of epic, right there. Ugh, just love it. Love it, love it, love it! That is Pink Floyd Sheep. Uh... Yeah, and uh, David Gilmore before that with "Until We Sleep" from his second solo album, and the, uh, the way I, the reason I I played those two back to back was, you know, I did that on purpose. You know, I'm talking about all of the melodrama that goes on in progressive rock bands and Pink Floyd. Uh, arguably the most commercially successful of all the progressive rock bands uh, in the history of that thing. I mean, uh, the Dark Side of the Moon album stayed on the Billboard Hot 100 album chart for uh, well over a decade. Um, it, it's, it, it's it's stunning how beloved that band was and and how much they could not be a functioning unit at all um really beyond uh that record i just played animals um i mean they still had the wall which is one of the greatest one of the greatest records of all time rock records of all time probably the greatest concept album of all time but it tore the band apart and to this day you sort of get the sense that david gilmore and roger waters um it's an uneasy truce between the two of them, which is is kind of sad. Uh, you know, I, I I don't know. I've seen both of them perform. Um, Gilmore's thing, I don't know. At one point, I I was more inclined to give Roger Waters the benefit of the doubt when he was suing to try and stop David Gilmore and Nick Mason from calling uh, what they were doing Pink Floyd. And it, it, if you listen to that um, that Gilmore solo record about face that the song Until We Sleep came from, and you play it right up against um, Momentary Lapse of Reason, the, the uh, Pink Floyd record without Roger Waters, um, the first one they did, it, it really sounds very much like it's just a David Gilmore solo record, but, you know whatever uh, you know if you're just a fan of music you just want the music to sound good and you don't really care about any of that nonsense uh, it's just us geeks who play in bands and collect records and read liner notes that care but you know i'm kind of figuring if you're listening to me joe public you're on the public record you um that's kind of how you are i'm sitting here in the dark because uh, it seems appropriate with the only illumination coming from the screen in front of me and uh, my daughter's lava lamp. That seems somehow appropriate to me to light that thing up. Anyway, uh, I'm going to move on. I'm going to play a little, some uh, slightly more contemporary kind of progginess. This is Masters of Reality on the public record.
That's Queens of the Stone Age with Song for the Dead. Um, before that, King Crimson did Red. And I started that little set off with Masters of Reality, Third Man on the Moon. Um, so there's, there's a reason for how I program this today, kids. Um, first time I heard Queens of the Stone Age, I honestly thought it was a new King Crimson record. No joke. And uh, my my dear friend, dear departed friend Matt, um, played him for me. And I said, "Is there is there more of this?" I mean, I was kind of in this uh, garage rock, punk rock void at that point, and I heard it. And, and like he played it in the van. We were in a band together. And he played it in the van, and I was we were doing on our way to Texas or something like that. And I went. Is there more stuff like this? And he says, yeah, I got a whole bunch of it. And he played Masters of Reality, and he played all, all this what they call stoner rock stuff for me. And I loved it, and the rest of the band hated it. Like, ugh, did not like it. So, yeah. I, I'm like, I, I swore. And then I, I, I think I brought a King Crimson record over to matt's apartment at one point and i and i played it and he was he's like whoa i like this <laughs> so you know there you go it's just it's it's not cut and dry there's proggy alternative punky stuff and you know i there's stuff on the yes album drama that's that's intense and eight and dissonant and and heck reminds me of uh dare i say fugazi yeah i'm gonna get if i could if i could get hate mail i would be getting hate mail right now for saying that yeah this is the public record we're doing the prog rock thing today i'm joe public and uh, you know um this next set is uh is gonna be fun uh i very famously said to a former bandmate who wanted to put a cello on uh, on a record we were recording, I said, "What, dude? It'd be some ELO shit."
And that's UK. One of the most kind of little known, truly great, like prog rock bands uh, of, of the 70s. UK. So John Wetton, who went on, well, who had been in King Crimson um, and went on to front Asia and make a crap ton of money with uh, their debut album and the follow up record there that they did um asia being uh john wetton steve howe and jeff downs of yes and carl palmer from emerson lake and palmer so like serious prog supergroup right there um but before asia john wetton had formed this little band uk with terry bozio from uh at that point from Frank Zappa's band went on to form missing persons and, uh, Alan Holdsworth and Eddie Jobson on a keyboards and violin. And Eddie Jobson played on the track that I played immediately before that, uh, which was out of the blue by Roxy music. Um, Eddie Jobson stepped into Brian Eno's shoes when Eno left Roxy music and, uh, that out of the blue is my favorite stereo recording. It's, it's like headphone gasm right there. Just turn it up. Enjoy. And, uh, before that electric light orchestra, um, with ocean, breakup king of the universe uh, you know a lot of people will go oh ELO they're a pop band they're not a prog band no guys guys yeah you know Genesis made pop records they were a prog band you know, ELO is one of the originals and if you really look at it where does all of this stuff come from where does it start you know who's or another way of looking at it if you want whose fault is progressive rock well it's clearly the beatles fault uh sergeant pepper's only hearts club band is probably the first prog album hmm. and that record just uh, celebrated the 50th anniversary of its original release so there you go um that's kind of the way it is this is joe public you're on the public record and I don't know what kind of a prog show I would be doing if I didn't play these guys.
coming along. That's Super Tramp with School. That's a song when, when I was a kid. It would, uh, I used to listen late at night to the uh, KSAN, which was the big FM album rock station here in the San Francisco Bay Area. And that song would come on, and it was just like, oh, I love that song. You know, when Rick Davies, he's got that the lower voice to the two singers in Super Tramp. When he comes in towards the end... Don't do this, don't do that. I, I don't know. I think you could totally relate if you were a kid in school. And before that, of course, I had to play Rush. I had to play Rush, but I was going to not do the stuff from moving pictures. And, you know, I didn't want to go dig something out from that, you know, nobody likes. So I played something that nobody likes. No, um, that's uh, Between the Wheels. Um, off their Grace Under Pressure record, a record that I, when it came out, I felt like I was the only person who loved it. <laughs> uh, so there you go, Neil, Getty, Alex. I love that record. I know you guys think everybody hated it, but I, I loved it. I thought it was killer. Anyway, this is Joe Public. This has been the Public Record, and I'm going to get out of here with uh, some German prog rock from Khan. See you all next week on Radio No.
Lelo, 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 lelo